we seem to be defensive of who we are and what we are. We don't seem to want to look for other answers. We don't have to be defensive in nature. We tend to, uh, to justify a, an existing notion. Anyone who is in, a Varna system, in the Varna system, Varna system means the entire social system uh, in a Hindu society, in an Indian society. Namaste, my guests today are Anand Prasad and Pankaj Saxena, uh, both uh, intellectuals in their own right. Anand is a corporate lawyer, uh, Pankaj is a teacher, he's a PhD and writes profusely very profound articles. I have personally had uh, profound, very deep conversations with both Anand and lately with Pankaji as well. And uh, after both they both have been speakers at Sangam Talks. And Anand wanted to have a conversation on Varna system with Pankaji. And so that's how we are all three together of us here. I am the learner here. Uh, I'm basically going to learn from both of them, ask a lot of questions, some of them may be naive. Please feel free to not, to not agree with both of them, but please understand that this is a conversation where hopefully we explore a lot of new areas and all of us learn in the process. Um, I'm going to start off with Anand and Pankaj on Varna system. Indians are very defensive and on the back foot when we talk, bring up caste and Varna. Anand, you have a position that we should not be. Varna was birth-based and we should say so. And Pankaj, feel free to come in uh, whenever. Maybe you start off. So thanks, Rahul, for the introductions. Uh, and none of my views are final views. It's all an evolving hypothesis because there is not much information out there. And I am not, quite honestly, a Sanskrit scholar. Uh, I struggle with lots of Indian languages, but that's, I'm just a product of how modern India was created. Um, but there is, but that creation of modern India has brought some good things, but it's also got a whole host of negative things. And I think it's how do we reverse that. So a lot of my understanding of what we would be discussing comes from reading English translations. They are not from original sources. Uh, Pankaj is probably a better sense for some of these things. I thought it will be useful to have this conversation with him. Uh, but also in my mind how I jumble some of these things. So I tend to sometimes improvise on some of my thought processes through these conversations. So I actually love disagreements uh, and, and uh, it helps me think through even better. Uh, it helps me think of counters and at times responses or at times how do should I be actually changing my viewpoint on something so it helps you keep enhancing that and I think that's something that is missing from the discourse particularly when you talk about the Indian right is that people are very assertive uh, this, is this is how it was this is how it is you you accept no challenge to those viewpoints uh, and that is where I think we are failing uh, is that we are not we are not intellectually oriented when it comes to that. We want to be followers for somebody. I think it's all right for some people to be followers, but I think some people must challenge each other and have those conversations. So that just, uh, that we keep describing this, that uh, in the past, the Indians were sort of, Indian tradition was more argumentative. People would challenge each other on questions. Then we seem to have lost that. 
uh, and there's no reason for us to have lost any of those things there's no reason why any of us must accept just because one person is knowledgeable on one thing uh, that everything that comes out of his or her mouth is the gospel truth i mean and truths are different actually when you sit in different positions truth will look different um, so in that in that context i thought a conversation like this which is sort of more freewheeling uh, an exchange of ideas which will help the thought process might be useful uh, also so that uh, the watchers the listeners to this conversation also get the sense that you don't have to actually accept everything that comes out of one person look look at your own experiences look at your read a little more listen to lots of people join the dots together come up with your new stand of thinking uh, and that's probably a nice way to sort of approach it so in my head at least that's the way i look at something like that great background to our said conversation setting to our so maybe pankaj you want to start with so, uh, so maybe i'll ask the uh, question of pankaj so i actually loved one of the uh, or the talk that pankaj gave uh, on on sort of whether the brahmins and monopolized education um, there was one part that i thought having having it having been in agreement with almost this entire lecture there was just one place where i had a question uh, where i disagreed with what he was saying and i also disagreed because in my mind that's essentially what the indians whether they are on the left or the right tend to take uh, we seem to be defensive of who we are and what we are we don't seem to want to look for other answers we don't have to be defensive in nature we tend to uh, to justify a, an existing notion and let me describe it as follows is that we talk about the varna system in the manner that it is and we talk about um, how people could in the ancient times move between varnas whereas now those lines have become more solid and now it's not possible to move through varnas uh, and my perspective and there's lot more to how i think in terms of varna but uh, my perspective has been that varna is one birth uh, originated uh, it comes from your birth it is genetic in nature you are in nobody is capable of shifting genes if you if anybody can shift his dna structure uh then that person is operating at another level that person doesn't have to fit into the varna system so the varna system has a certain different objective as uh, compared to what we look in in modern society and i would tend to say that there is not a single example of any individual having moved through the varna system so switched from a brahmin to a kshatriya or from a brahmin to a shudra or somebody that has been a shudra has actually become a brahmin or a kshatriya or a vaishya it simply does not exist let's kick off that conversation yes. with parshuram or valmiki or santravidas so, all of those examples so, that are commonly quoted so the commonly quoted one and the one that i latched on to from pankaj's one was vishwamitra is that vishwamitra was a kshatriya it became a brahmin now vishwamitra in my eyes became Brahm, became a brahmarishi which is basically rishi is not necessarily in the varna system it sits outside the varna system uh, and you could you could become a rishi regardless of what varna you came from uh, so rishi is like a modern day scientist it doesn't matter where you are modern day scientist nobody looks at where did stephen hawking come from or where did einstein come from i mean they came from whichever religion community etc and they became who they were um, so rishi was more in that nature 
when we use the term Brahma Rishi, it is actually knowledge of Brahman. Uh, it is not Brahmin, which is a different term and it connotes something else. Uh, and at the time when he became Brahma Rishi, there was no longer a need for him to want to win against Vashishta because Brahman experience gives you an understanding uh, and logically if you look at it, then everything is the same, we are all the same, etc. So, he never actually crossed the Varna line because the Varna line was irrelevant at that point in time from his perspective and from Vashishta's perspective. So, that example which is commonly cited is inaccurate because he does not change Varna. There are also lots of other examples that are cited which is people that move from say a Shudra community. So, people say look at Valmiki became a Rishi but Valmiki did not become a Brahmin. And there are many examples of Rishis from various other communities. Uh, so, Janaka was hugely knowledgeable, never became a Brahmin, he was always Kshatriya. Ramana was uh, a Brahmin, regardless of uh, whether he was a warrior, he was a musician or he did things that you would normally in modern day world attribute to something that should not be done by people. Uh, so, the examples of people crossing Varna actually simply do not exist. And so, therefore, I wanted to bring that discussion to Pankaj, to, to Sarkar. I would, I would like to start with the notion of uh, uh, differentiating between a Rishi and a Sanyasi. Actually, uh, the notion that you have about Rishi, it is true about Sanyasi, not Rishi. Rishis are very much in the Varna system. Why? Uh, anyone who is in, a Varna system, in the Varna system, Varna system means the entire social system uh, in a Hindu society, in an Indian society. If you are in a system, you have obligations, you have duties. Entire Dharma Shastras are about duties and about what happens to those who do not uh, perform those duties. So, Rishis have many duties. They have to run an ashram, they have to take up students and they have to do actually play a role in the society. On a sannyasi, nothing is obligatory. He may even abdicate even clothes, he may roam around naked in a society, a Rishi never can. Rishi has to follow a very set uh, procedure and sannyasis are those who are out exempt from everything they are not in the varna system but vishwamitra and all of these rishis that we quote valmiki and all of these they actually ran ashrams they had students and they actually contributed to the society vishwamitra very much had students and he also contributed which was the stipulated role of a brahmin to advise the king because india was the only place in which the kshatriyas were not left alone they had always the uh, uh, these Brahmins as advisors. So that's what my understanding is about it. That uh, rishis are different, sannyasis are different. So the first thing is that. Second, uh, so I do not disagree with that. <laughs> yeah. So I would just uh, I would just like to uh, put one more clarity in our discussions. Uh, the word gene or genetic uh, has been started to be uh, used very. Uh, you know, gen in a generic manner. I don't think we should do that. I study evolution and genes are very different. We shouldn't confuse Varna with genes. It, uh, it is a ready-made method of uh, discarding everything that we say about Varna. So, because genes do not change so easily and in such short time spans as like uh, 10,000 or 20,000 years. So, that's an entirely different thing. So, Varna is different. Uh, now, you say about uh, Vishwamitra. So, Vishwamitra, you say that it's impossible for individuals to uh, cross uh, Varna. To change Varna, uh, they can leave the entire society. You, you, you are saying that they can leave the Varna system but actually cannot become Kshatri to Brahman or Brahman to Kshatri. Correct. So, yeah. so, what I mean is not 
that uh, not leave but actually you do not cross the varna so you do not become a brahmin a brahmin does not become a kshatriya so parshurama for example doesn't become a kshatriya so they retain their varna they might do various things and just to add to that conversation very often what is cited is look at the bhagavad gita it describes that these are the gunas um, but it doesn't say that anybody who has these gunas becomes this varna it says this varna will demonstrate these gunas it's the other way around uh, so very often people say that oh i am a knowledge oriented person i am a warrior person so i may be a brahmin but by my deeds i am a kshatriya now that is i mean nice easy way to say it but it doesn't make you a kshatriya from a brahmin so gunas are a reflection of what you might expect out of somebody from a varna it is you cannot look at the gunas and say this is what the varna is actually uh, i will talk about the uh, vishwamitra uh, before that in kundli in horoscope in jyotish yeah. actually everyone is assigned a varna so if you look at your kundli and it doesn't necessarily uh, correspond with the uh, varna that you are born in and almost always in 80% of the cases, uh, cases it uh, doesn't match. In my case, it does. Thais uh, are one bahar out of the varna system, varna system. So, but uh, with my ability, it matches because it says Kshatriya. So, even while I write, I, I fight. So, <laughs> so it, it says well about me. About Vishwamitra, let me tell you how I talk about individuals, how I talk, uh, talk about uh, uh, Hindu myths, uh, Hindu scriptures. I do not talk about them. Uh, as individuals, I do not talk about uh, them as historical persons. This does not mean that they did not exist. This does not mean that India uh, had no history. But a very clear intent of uh, Hindu sages have always been to deflect your attention from first chronology, second provenance. The Western scholar is still while studying any system, Western or Bharti, Indian, Hindu, they are always taken up by when did this idea originate, where did it originate, uh, whom did it influence and how are they both connected to each other. Hindu sages on the other hand talk about yogic chitabhumis. Uh, like I study art, so I will take up an example. Uh, people always western scholars and even many modern Hindu scholars and I am not the Rauji, I am not just talking about uh, um, the leftist, I am also talking about those who go by the name of uh, tags of conservatives and rightists and uh, they are always taken up by okay so did Buddhism influence Hinduism or did Buddhist iconography influence Hindu iconography and all of these scholars most of the times they are taken up by this. But Hindu sages, Hindu scriptures talk about yogic chitabhumis. For us, it is not necessary that if two things are similar, if two ideas are similar, then one has to necessarily physically influence another. They both can co-arise because their origin lies in supreme consciousness, which is touched upon in states of meditation when a yogi goes into those states and they can independently arise without any physical contact with each other. So we do not have to decide whether Greece influenced India or India influenced Greece. There might be various things, various small strengths that we took from Greece or uh, Greece took from India. We were pagan dharmic civilizations in varying degrees and so we did not shy away from accepting something if uh, it suited us. But that does not mean that one thing necessarily influenced other. So uh, when we talk about individuals, 
we start immediately start uh, thinking about them as individuals in a historical time span in chronology when i speak about vishwamitra i do not speak about individuals i speak about how our sages how our scriptures how hindu civilization was beautiful in the sense that th this i also talk about when i uh, write about hindu temple that we had we have a largest set of uh, instructions about ethics and morality no other civilization has expanded upon uh, ethical moral code as we have in dharma shastras and at the same time your sages will also give you ways in which they will tell you how all of this at ultimate level is unimportant that ultimately this is not the goal this is not the end these rules if you follow them it will take you to some place like in dhyan you are given a beej mantra you are told to meditate upon that beej mantra is actually invocation of a deity or an aspect of a deity so you first start focusing on that because you want to forget the sansara and as sansara gradually starts disappearing ultimately you and the deity remains and the ultimate goal is that even this distinction even there is a, there are three things the deity the realization and you and the ultimate goal is when everything disappears when you become when the deity becomes the deity and even there is no distinction between the two so uh, hindu sages hindu scriptures all hindu arts all indian arts have ways of giving rules and at the same time transcending them so the story of vishwamitra is to tell you that if you find so trapped within like people are very fond of saying these days these days that i am a woman trapped in the body of man or man trapped in the body of woman or in the 63 different genders that are now they they keep increasing the list every year so if you really feel trapped then what is the way of transcending that trap uh, physically you don't have to change things you have to uh, go on an inward journey you have to change yourself and if your quest is so genuine if the urge to uh, find knowledge or ultimate knowledge is so genuine you can do it within this lifetime you do not have to wait for uh, getting reborn many times and you can actually do it so it doesn't matter whether that individual did it or not that that story is to demonstrate that if urge to become something else is so dominant in you then you can actually do it so there is they left a strand but if they had opened it completely what is the meaning of a rule which can so easily uh, be transgressed what is the meaning of varna system when you, you can walk in and out of two rooms like people uh, these days have started talking about varna system as if there were four rooms and people just flexibly stood up and went into another room and that wouldn't make any sense and that is also socially very acceptable why because 99.99% of people are actually comfortable in what they are born in not i'm not talking about financial conditions or so it doesn't actually matter to them what are we doing now ab to humne sara awareness system sab khatam kar diya sab ho gaya this education system this doesn't care about uh, these distinctions what is happening now there are four or five professions all of your kid how can i imagine that 100 years ago there were hundreds of professions and now everybody with their own free will becomes an engineer that's an incredibly boring free will that everyone becomes an engineer or a doctor so but they are comfortable with it why because they just want to earn a living live on their life very very simply and in a common manner so that used to happen a few individuals had problems most of them suffered very much but that was a minuscule proportion of those who had problem some of them were so uh, so bright not just intellectually bright the fire of learning was so intense within them 
that they could actually transcend all the boundaries that society imposed on them and then they <coughs> transcend. So when I talk about Vishwamitra, I do not talk about history. I talk, I talk about how society progresses and this is how Sanatan Dharma uh, has once uh, again and again, uh, our sages try to tell us do not get stuck into history. And history is important. I am not saying that it's not important to write history, but they again and again tell you do not get stuck into this. This is not the ultimate thing. That's why, why do you think the um, uh, sages who wrote the Puranas were the idiots who care tiny scales? They talk about lakhs and lakhs of years and lakhs and lakhs of years and uh, either you completely reject them or you completely accept them in modern age and be ridiculous or you completely reject them or like our Samaj says that later on distortion actually our sages are trying to tell us an entirely different things they do not talk about what happened they talk about what happens they give you formulas they are not interested in what particular king in what particular time or place did what. They try to tell you what happens every time when you follow a certain um, inner urge. When this happens in society, then what happens? They are not trying to get you stuck in that. That's why those time scales are ridiculous. Uh, in a modern uh, time, it, those lakhs and lakhs of years, it would sound ridiculous. So it, this is the sense in which I talk about Vishwamitra, not as an individual or a historical person. No, no, thanks. So that is very helpful. So there were there were two sort of takeaways that uh, I had over there. And I'll sort of elaborate on both of them a little further. Uh, so one of them was the sort of inherent sense that I've always had is that the Varnas were not a classification for creating a functional society but the Varnas were basically a recognition of human traits uh, and then it said that if you persons with certain kinds of traits if they follow a certain way of life is it enhances them spiritually and that was the purpose of Varna it is not to say it was not to create a hierarchy it is more to sort of recognize traits amongst human beings and say that if you do this, then you have a shorter path. You can always take a longer path if you want to crisscross. Um, but the other more interesting one, uh, so one part is, as I see is that Varna is not that critical. When we get sucked into this debate about whether there's hierarchy, there's no hierarchy, it's not as critical. It is meant more to sort of, you can figure out whether you want to live in in terms of your Varna, it's up to you, you don't want to, then you, it's the consequences are yours. The acts are yours, the consequences are yours. But I think the more interesting one was when you, when you got into the discussion on timelines and why timelines are unimportant. Because it is also a notion of modern day theoretical physics. Uh, that when the Big Bang happened, that time itself was created. Um, and, 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 and so therefore time, time is... Space are not independent. True. So they are created by the Big Bang. True. And, and so therefore time is also variable as Einstein told us. And as you look at theoretical physics, so what is time and what is that time frame? So I guess that is probably one of the reasons why they try to take away an emphasis from time. Is saying that now the problem that we have in the modern world is everything is measured in terms of time because our view of history is along Newtonian principles which is basically saying time runs in one direction, it runs at the same speed arrow. and therefore you have, it's an arrow, you can't alter it. Uh, but since Einstein and Niel Bohr and since quantum physics that has changed. Time means different things at different places. 
you can warp time you can change time um, i mean science fiction lab you can time travel so so probably i would suggest is the reason why a lot of our scriptures a lot of our sages would de-emphasize the focus on time and maybe partly that is the illusion that is the maya that you describe is that they are trying to take away emphasis from time uh, they are trying to then home around certain principles around which the universe operates certain rules uh, which can actually then improve your own lives improve your life experience uh, and hence you have, if you look at some of the older scriptures, I think that de-emphasizing on in terms of um, timelines is much greater. Whereas when you look at newer scriptures in the AD period, you'll find that the emphasis is a little more uh, in terms of times and timelines. And there is a bit of mix up in the understanding of what is illusion and what is Maya. And now we get into this extensive debates. And we have taken it for granted that time for us is all linear and all moves forward. But I don't know, what what, what would you think about? No, you want to say something. Yeah, I wanted to ask. So, basically we are saying that Varna is birth-based and we should not be defensive about it. We should not be defensive about it. I am not saying that you have to follow now whatever was there um, in the ancient times. But you also don't need to lie about whatever it was in the ancient times and nothing can be gained with In that. our conversations, Pankaji, you mentioned something very beautiful that uh, we, when you were connecting Varnas and people being born in different Varnas to their samskaras before at, or at the end of their lives. Can you elaborate on that? Yes. yes. Very when, powerful thought. When, when we talk about uh, Varna system, we always forget to mention one concept because it is very problematic uh, in the modern times. Uh, it uh, seems like uh, when Hindus talk about it in a modern academy or to people who have been educated in modern education, uh, so they don't want to seem superstitious. That is the theory of rebirth, karma and rebirth. And because there is a lot of uh, invest too, there are a lot of quacks who, um, who have become great uh, teachers on uh, working on these things. So we become shy and we actually completely eliminate uh, discuss, uh, the discussion of uh, karma fal siddhant and karma rebirth theory. So we have to remember that those people, those institutions who created uh, Varna system, they believed very much in karma and rebirth. And the entire idea of karma and rebirth was that the dominant desire that we have in this life, the most dominant desire that we have in this life, you will be born into a place and position which will fulfill that desire, good or bad. So if you are too much after violence or uh, sex and violence, you will be born in a position in which you will be able to actually fulfill that. So it was believed that most people are born into the Varna and social position which is fit for them. So that's why they do not feel trapped. But at the same time, you can also think that uh, an extreme minority of people, because of certain karmas, uh, they were actually born in a position in which they were not comfortable with it and it is argued that that was the design to punish them or to the, the fate of uh, karma to punish them so. So uh, we have always to remember this and that's why our, all our scriptures keep uh, warning about Varna Sankar. Because when two Varnas uh, marry and they have kids 
actually the kids are very confused uh, they cannot understand what uh, their feelings uh, pull them into two different directions uh, we uh, listen about it hear about it uh, too much in modern times not just about sexuality but about a lot of different things that i am an engineer but i want to be a musician and all of these things i am this born in that body that born in this body is too much identity confusion so uh, when we have obliterated actually the varna system we see that this confusion has uh, increased uh, rather than decreasing so if varna was forcibly um, had been forcibly imposing these things on uh, uh, individuals it should actually have been decreased but uh, no it has increased so uh, we have to keep the karm rebirth uh, theory it may be that it is wrong it is right i am not arguing on that it may be that you believe in it or you do not believe in it but while discussing and passing judgments on ancient sages for creating varna system and not discussing karm rebirth theory is actually um, being dishonest about it may may i actually put it in slightly more modern uh, language or construct uh, so when you also look at it in simple terms the modern human being is wanting a happy nice peaceful existence i mean which is given i mean peaceful may not be but a happy some are happy doing violence uh, but that is our we are essentially looking for happiness or satisfaction in our lives and i would say that when you so what brings you happiness when you do things that are disconnected from your personality from your basic essence you feel troubled by it uh, so if i'm a lawyer and i want to be a musician and i feel that i'm in the wrong profession um, i feel troubled by it um, and it hassles me and it hassles and those disconnects that happen where we sort of ignore uh, if if we are taught to ignore our basic traits creates problems for us so if you even look at it logically forget about what the scripture said but even if you look at it logically why will you not want to operate true to your basic characteristic so if you want to be a soldier you should be a soldier forget about where you were if you want to be a scientist be a scientist if you want to be a wealth creator become a wealth creator follow what instinctively you are meant to be the society that you are stuck in stuck in is i mean at least when i was growing up you could be a doctor an engineer a third category loser basically so it is where society pushes you into certain directions is where some of these disconnects happen but that's, but that's exactly what the varna system would say no would say so no so when you are arguing against varna you are saying that you're born in a shudra family for example and you may be a really bright person but the varna is forcing you to be there and considering you lower in the hierarchy so two points here one is lower higher do you want to comment on it on that i i also want to comment on this analogy because as soon as you put it like this that if you are born in a shudra uh, varna in the shudra varna and you are actually very bright very intellectual and so it's an imposition on you i will quote a modern example this could uh, always have happened in ancient india that some people who were just bright and uh, very brilliant enough they couldn't uh, uh, realize their uh, potential but so take the example of ekalavya who was from one community ekalavya is that i'm i'm just uh, uh, quoting an example in from modern times uh, just to put this in context i know of certain people who are brighter brighter than most intellectuals that are in public variety but for some reason or other they could never succeed in actually get even getting into the academia and actually getting famous 
I know of a certain person who is very very bright in Delhi. I won't take his name, but uh, um, he at the height of his career, 33, he got uh, embroiled in a legal case which took nine years of his life. He became 42 in that, and a lot of bad things happened to his career. And after that, he was simply destroyed, and he could have been much greater than that. Where is the varna to play here? But he could not realize his potential. So this always happens that one scholar that you see, at least a thousand were destroyed. Uh, because they could never get the opportunity. This is just about even if you read modern books, even if you read Malcolm Gladwell, uh, he even they have started accepting that it is not enough to be intelligent enough to be intellectual enough. A lot of things have to fall in place. You have to be at the right time at the right place. So it actually depends on a lot of conditions which are not in your control. So sometimes that happened in ancient times too. These accidents happen. So they even happen now. There is no way to foolproof that everyone realizes this potential. See. From the point of view, Hindu point of view, this is a world of Maya. This Jagat is Mithya. It is not Sat, it is not Asat, it is somewhere in between, it is Mithya. And if everything would uh, turn true or become right, then actually Asat, uh, Mithya will collapse into Asat and Sat will appear. The world will not be able to function, world is Dvatatmak, so there is always will be good and bad. Always people who are very, very unhappy with their lives. Always people who are very happy and satisfied with their lives. Uh, Hindu worldview is not about making everyone happy. This is a very big mistake that uh, modern Hindus start making. That just because rival system of uh, maybe Islam and Christianity, they seem much more brutal on the surface. And so they start uh, imagining uh, past uh, Hindu past in which there was no suffering. This is very, very wrong. There was a lot of suffering in ancient India. There is suffering in life. Suffering, pleasure and pain go together. Dharma teaches you that they do go together. You cannot eliminate one. You have to transcend that. And Dharma, a Dharmic society is one which actually manages to teach you that uh, and uh, make tradition of that. And an Adharmic society or a non-Dharmic society, they have no mechanisms to do it. No, I, I, would, I would completely agree with that. I mean, the contrast is in what the universe exists or at least our universe exists. So think of it in slightly simpler terms. If unhappiness were to disappear, you would actually stop recognizing happiness because you recognize it in contrast. Easier way, if night were to disappear and you had only daylight, you will actually not recognize daylight as so it will become so uh, so inherent. So 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 you need the contrast. To, so you need the unhappiness to recognize yeah, the happiness. Yes, so that always so, so fair. But let's come to the. Some the most problematic points about Varna or Jati or caste, if you like, of oppression, of Brahmin oppression or hierarchies. Do you want to comment on that? Were they were they essentially hierarchical? I will, you were. I will actually answer one question that he asked that remained unanswered yeah. uh, about Varna and uh, how it was not an imposition but a recognition. Uh, to my view, this could be a chicken and egg problem. You could always argue from the imposition, impositional point of view or uh, recognizable uh, point of view. Uh, actually, in Mahabharata, if you read Mahabharata, uh, not even just the Vedas, and they rear from the Varna system very, very well, and they actually instruct that you have to uh, uh, revere the Brahmins, you have to revere the Kshatriyas, and uh, listen, always listen to the Kshatriyas. It's very much clear. In the first uh, uh, part of the Bibik uh, the Devroy translation that has come out. Even in the first part, you can see it at least uh, 20 to 30 times. They have reaffirmed the same thing. So, actually, uh, you cannot say it is entirely a recognition. 
when you recognize something but uh, dharma is when you create an institution it's not about leaving people to what they want to do instincts can be very misleading too sometimes they lead us to the right places suppose if you are a married person and you in you you are in a situation i will be very blunt in which you are your instincts tell you to go a different way then your instincts are not the right guide then you will remember oh this is an adharmic thing to do and that is what is going to save you not your instincts instincts will tell you to do something different because culture has different rules than nature in nature this would be marriage doesn't exist so uh, dharma always also instructs and guides it also doesn't leave you there is no uh, dharma is not a scholarly study of the society they also tend to guide and it is it is not like sharia of course they are not imposing something so brutal or uh, something contrary to uh, your natural impulses they are of course not doing it but they are also guiding you towards what they consider right and wrong and they had a very good idea of what is right so suppose we were living in a vedic society uh, with a varna based system and if i were born in a say a vaishya family which i am and or in a shudra family then i and if supposedly i have very scholarly tendencies where i am born so basically on instruction i am supposed to form, do what the shudra varna is supposed to do i will be instructed in in doing that yes you you would be expected to fulfill that role that your varna uh, that the varna that you are born in with the assumption that i have been born in this family due in this some, due to some karmic reasons which are of my choice which are of yours there is one clear distinction here there was actually as i described in my talk there was actually no bar on knowledge so you were not stopped from uh, learning about anything no one was was stopped from learning anything uh, the shudras were of course could not perform the yagnas there are very clear instructions about that and only kshatriyas and uh, uh, brahmins could initially and then vaishyas were also allowed in certain cases but the shudras never were so there were very clear instructions but then they created the natyashastra where the stated goal of the natyashastra is to take the knowledge of the vedas to those who are not uh, uh, those who are not able to directly benefit from the yagna so the knowledge was not monopolized only because performing a yagna was a very technical thing it needed a charya it needed knowing a lot of things it needed a very a lifestyle which was very very hard for everyone to follow and so that was you can say monopolized if you want to use that word but knowledge was not monopolized so rahul ji if you were born in that you would not be stopped from knowing things but you would be stopped from actually opening an ashram and start teaching others uh, in whatever you thought because you would not be an adhikari of that because those jobs if you could think they were reserved for a certain community for a certain varna those I so desired so badly to become a brahmin i would have a next life and yeah. a next situation yes. to be able this to go that was the progression uh, when you talk about hierarchy some people directly deny any hierarchy it is not true there was some hierarchy hierarchy was not that the Uh, powerful people were actually uh, oppressing the less powerful people brahmins was not uh, were not actually the most powerful people uh, vaishyas had the money uh, kshatriyas had the fire power so brahmins were not actually the most powerful people but the hierarchy was that while deciding future of the country desh dharma while deciding laws those who go by the dictum of have fun and enjoy they cannot have a say in where the country is going to be in next 10 years or in, in so have future. fun and enjoy is the shudras so which are the, no shudras, rules for them there are there are rules because yeah, there, are. there are obviously some rules because your geography your everyone had to till land 
everyone uh, there were a lot of rules which were imposed naturally by their environment on them but they were actually not supposed to perform very hard jobs in society like vaishyas could not use a lot of wealth for themselves they had to do public works all the time they had to um, uh, create these ashrams and uh, uh, dharmshalas and uh, take care of the travelers and a lot of other things kshatriya had did not have if some war came he necessarily they had to go and sacrifice their lives and their families too they could not never rest uh, uh, and never run away from that and brahmins had to live a very strict code shudras were not expected to follow that they were expected to whatever uh, actually most of the society were shudras they did whatever uh, craft that was available that they were good at and their children also followed because there were no universities and colleges so their children just uh, son of a carpenter became a carpenter that was the easiest way to earn a living so that happened but they also did not have a say in uh, let's say the deciding the future or deciding the form of society so you can have fun the only major difference in modern society is that with adult franchisees that those who say we do not want to uh, um, you know fulfill any duty we do not want to fulfill any responsibility still we want to have a say in where the country is going to be in next 5 years everyone is same so those who are very responsible those who uh, fulfill all their duties they also have a single vote and those who never fulfill their duties they also have the single vote so all of the system is based on rights and not duties so in those times shudras they did not have many responsibilities they also did not have many rights in the sense not in uh, enjoying and eating and having fun and all of these things they did not have a right in saying organizing society in what way to organize society so let me i have one or two observations yeah. so one or two observations so and there were quite a few pointers but they also sort of escaped my head uh, but just the mahabharata uh, the mahabharata the way it describes when it describes a perfect kingdom where everything is in harmony and everything is well they they say the varnas are doing what they are meant to do and that's a description in the mahabharata is that it says that everybody in that varna is doing what they are meant to do they are not crossing occupation they are not crossing uh, their gunas so everything is, and those are described as the ideal kingdoms uh, but it's around um, whether you are married or not married so we tend to look at the term marriage and vivah and we say they are the one and the same but in my view they are not because the indian scriptures describe eight kinds of vivah and vivah ranges from gandharva vivah which is a one night stand you can have many nights but it's a one night stand to pisacha vivah which is rape now therefore the way i look at it the term vivah is actually uh, copulation when you have sex with somebody and there are different kinds of categories where you have sex with somebody um uh, now when it comes to one wife and how or one husband and whether you should be loyal I and mean, what stands out in my head is the fact that modern society is insisting that we all become like rama who's got one wife dedicated to him and he is dedicated to his wife the problem with that notion and i am not saying that that's a bad thing necessarily but let's look at the facts you are giving ideas to people i <laughs> true but sita was so unhappy that she committed suicide Rama was so unhappy that he also committed suicide at the end of the day. So here is your perfect couple, a great king, followed all dharma etc. But at the end of the day, as humans, they both committed suicide. Look at second category, Krishna had a great time, 
deviated from dharma whenever he felt like figured out a way to do it had many wives all those wives loved him he loved all his wives he even had an extramarital affair so radha was a married woman it meant i don't know whether i am not good enough to comment on whether there was a physical relationship but clearly there was an emotional and a spiritual relationship which in many people will say is higher than a physical relationship uh, so krishna was living a life of great amount of freedom all those women loved him they were all very very happy nobody committed suicide poor fellow he died of an accident somebody mistakenly shot him so here are two contrasting examples one who is following uh, the marriage rule as we are sought to be imposed with and one who is not and look at the end result of those two now we look at a character like shiva i mean our mythology is so replete with examples of this nature i mean shiva is hanging around naked suddenly the saptarishis seven wives get very attracted to him and they want to have sex with him so there are all these sorts of stories also which are there as part of our mythology we are not as sex obsessed as the victorians have been in our tradition we now have come to believe that that is our tradition but that is not the form of marriage that we now call marriage is one of the forms of eight marriages is where you have a proper the, you take consent from the girl's father etc but there are various others where you run away krishna ran away Arjuna ran away uh, somebody's sister somebody's daughter so they are various kinds there is an asura vivah there is a rakshasa vivah there are many different kinds of vivahs uh, so this what we call vivah or marriage and we tend to give a certain sanctity to it was limited uh, in the sort of it was one of the natures but not all forms uh, and lots of our great guys i mean the spectacular geniuses of indian tradition have actually not come out of that this form of marriage have all come out of other forms of marriage uh, so that's also interesting i mean we tend to shy away it is what it is why should i shy away why should i look at my tradition to victorianize is so uh, the only thing i want to say i do not have much to say on this but to characterize uh, uh, how sita left this world as suicide would not be correct how ram left his body as suicide would not be correct that's a very uh, a very medical uh, term of uh, designating that most of jain munis they leave uh, this world by their own volition that is not suicide so we have a different term they they leave their body that's why that's what we even common language that's what we call so around apart from that on vivaha on the eight uh, kinds of vivaha that you are saying as altekar is very clear about it so is pv karni that those vivahs other vivahs are not actually recommended apart from one or two they are just terms to designate kinds of behavior and to castigate them and most of the smritikars most of the manu yagnavalkya and most of other smritikars they have castigated those marriages or vivah in a very very strong language so it was not uh, once again it was not anything goes rules had to be followed because i will Uh, uh briefly if uh, i have time here uh, i will very briefly come up with an analogy i have the author uh, whom i can say my most favorite author and uh, i only aspire to write even a one paragraph like him is lauren isley and he talks about nature and culture he says that nature was the first order culture was the second order culture actually came 
when we came out of the natural order. How did we come out of the natural order? Everyone in nature is either at the same time the hunter and the hunted. So every animal is hunting something and at the same time at the risk of being hunted by someone, someone else except the top predator and they are limited by starvation and other conditions. Man came out of this food chain. So suddenly he became, he kept remaining the hunter but he stopped being the hunted. And that's a very dangerous situation. You destroy, you imbalance the, all the ecological ecosystem uh, that are getting destroyed, all the ecology that is being destroyed is because man has come out of the food chain. It means we still uh, take the fruits that nature gives us, but we do not uh, fulfill any responsibility. We are no longer the hunted, but we have become the top predator. Culture he designates as an artificial set of rules. Marriage doesn't exist in nature. Why? There is sex. It's not, uh, it's not marriage. But in culture, culture stands actually for nature. Where you have broken natural rules, culture comes up, limits you in your tendencies because you actually have the power now to destroy nature. And so culture steps in and puts on arbitrary rules. People say that these rules are arbitrary. Of course, marriage is arbitrary. It is very, very true. It doesn't exist in nature. But without marriage, what is happening right now in the West? That there is no social order. There is individualism. Everyone has rights. And now everyone is demanding, we also want these heaters and cars and homes and everything. And that is why exactly because of human rights, ecology is being destroyed. Ecology is being degraded. So nature is the first order. Culture is the second order. So these rules, actually, they may be arbitrary. They are that is their exact point. They are arbitrary because they are a stand in nature. Culture is a stand in nature. So the rules exist and they have to exist. It's not free. Sometimes we start imagining about Hindu past as it was very free. It was of course not Victorian morality is what they imposed on us. So that's why I try to explain Khazrao in terms of oh, oh uh, actually people were not reproducing some ridiculous ideas uh, at that time and so in order to encourage them. It was not to encourage people to have <laughs> sex and more kids, that's ridiculous. And this is actually people very serious, some even serious scholars try to apologize. Even um, 100 years ago, people would apologize or not mention these things about Khazrao. But uh, so we are, of course did not have Victorian morality. But that also does not mean that people start portraying ki shudra to jo ab America mein ho hai, that is shudra, that is not so. They are not at all responsible. Shudras are very responsible to their environment, to the social order. A modern American or even a modern Indian living in Delhi in Mumbai who does not go, people are fond of saying we do not like rules. So it's not up to your liking. Uh, they are not paying any responsibility. That's why they are not even Shudras. So it's wrong to conflate Shudras with uh, these modern people who just, uh, why have the French stood up against this tyranny? Because uh, finally they realized, oh, food and sex is in danger. These are the only two things they care about. They don't care about nation, religion, anything. They said, Are ye to sharia la denge, hamara to ye sab band ho jayega. The only two things that, uh, that they care about is food and sex. And so they have stood up against it. They are not Shudras because Shudras actually have responsibilities, not to not the out of the highest order, but to their environment. Which kind of brings me to uh, sort of moving away from the marriage and things like that. Yeah. Highly interesting concepts. <laughs> no, I would tend to agree that there are some marriages that, and I don't know at what point in time in human history that are said that these are preferred forms and those are not preferred forms. And there is therefore clearly a inclination towards some forms and not uh, but 
Vedavyasa comes out of a Gandharva Viva. So one night stand basically. Uh, if you read some of the descriptions of the Mahabharata, may even have been forcible. Uh, maybe the woman was not so inclined. Um, so there are these characters who are path breaking in Indian mythology who have come out of not the formally accepted notions I don't of know where Karna fits. So, I mean, the all, all the Pandavas. All the Pandavas. <laughs> Dr. Vishwadlui has a very interesting thing to say about this, about this, uh, uh, this is trend of that he was born out of this union. You might take any number of historical meanings from that. It was forced or it was not, it was uh, legitimate or not legitimate, whether it was accepted or not accepted. He says, he has a wonderful way of ex uh, expressing things. He says that the Mahabharata, the text does not exist within the sansara. The sansara exists within the text. So the sansara exists within Mahabharata. Ved Vyas has inserted himself into the text. So even he, the writer also does not, the author does not exist outside the Mahabharata. So this is actually a spiritual, poetical, you can call it any way a means of inserting himself into it is self-referential way. He refers to himself, Vedvyas is himself in the story. So he has woven himself into it. So nothing actually exists uh, and he gives um, uh, various examples uh, much more beautifully. I am not able to reproduce. I cannot reproduce them. He is of course Vishwadburi. So actually sometimes all of these stories uh, we should uh, keep aside history for some time and get on to more meanings because he also quotes uh, Plato. Greece is not known uh, much about these things, but even Plato is not known much about uh, referring to a spiritual uh, text or uh, we are not aware of many of these texts. But there is a text in which the uh, disciple and Plato, they are um, walking with each other near a certain river. It is uh, uh, mentioned in the Nay science in the starting chapters. And the student asks uh, Plato, uh, not Plato, Socrates, sorry. And he says that, uh, do you know, is this the same river where a certain uh, Greek character, mythological character was uh, believed to have done something? Socrates says, yes, that is what they say. And then he says that, do you believe in these stories? Then he uh, launches on a very long paragraph. He says that, it may be so, it may, it may not be so. It may be this, it may be that. It may be that, it may be this. I am not interested in it. I am interested in the dictum that is written on the gate of the Eleusinian temple, which is know thyself. And until I am able to do it, these things are immaterial to me. So all Hindu texts are about that. They, there will be historical uh, details in it, of course, but our point is not to get stuck in it. So whenever something comes up, whenever an opponent uh, tells us that there is no history, you can say there are a lot of historical details, but actually mythology, this is what Adluri ji says that when say that you have mythology, not history, you should say, thank God <laughs> that, that we don't have history, we have mythology. Mythology is actually a higher discipline. History, after a certain point, it seems repetitive, boring. I started out by reading history and then these are same stories, same things, but mythology is endlessly interesting. True, true. So, and, uh, so, so, so coming to the other, the thing that you had mentioned about Varna and if I can... Yeah, but I want Shibra. to, yes, I want to sort of come back yeah, to yeah. the... Uh, the uh, hierarchy and the rigidity. You had mentioned a point about how hard it was for Brahman. You had also mentioned this in your talk. Do you want to go there and then maybe weave your so, thought so, around so, that? So maybe. Uh, so in my the, again, I can't claim that there is clear scriptural direction to what I am about to say. But I think it is reflected in various parts. Now, 
those aspects of those scriptures, you can view them standing in different positions and take different uh, sort of outcomes out of them. But here is my thought, is that uh, the Varna system is not created, it is more a recognition. You recognize water as water and ice as ice. So, you basically recognize for its physical attributes. But that would allow me, if I have, sorry to interrupt you, if that would allow me, if I have um, tendencies of being a leader or a warrior while being born as a Vaishya, then it would allow me to move my Varna. Now, let's, let, let's therefore see how it works. Okay. Um, is that these attributes are recognized and my sense of how the Varna system worked was because you have to realize that including the Mahabharata that we were just discussing, they talk about a perfect period where the Varnas and the rules of the Varna are being followed, which means that there for a large part of humanity, Varna was people crossed those lines. That's why you actually talk about under X king this was perfect, under Y king this was perfect. So, but between X and Y there were so many other kings where it was imperfect. The purpose of the Varna in my head was to align people to their natural instincts, bring them in harmony with nature, with their instincts, with, with for want of a better term, I will use Brahman. It is for you to gain knowledge easily. It is not meant to give you more money, it is not meant to make you wealthier, etc. Some people, uh, when they are becoming wealthier, it is more harmonious to them. Some people feel very unhappy as they are becoming wealthier. So, in their uh, spiritual journey, becoming wealthy is part of their evolution. So, I will stay away from using the word spiritual. You are right in, in saying spiritual uh -huh. journey, but it is how do I become more comfortable? How do I how do I become more comfortable, harmonious with myself and my environment? And I would say that the Varna was meant to operate in that fashion. It said, if you, these are the set of rules. This is your basic instinct. If you follow these, this is what so will happen. You've been to you. born in a certain family, which is of a certain order, which is Vaishya or Kshatriya. You are likely to have these likely. traits. Correct. So, for you to have a harmonious life, here are the set of things you must do. Duties and also your, uh, yes, rights. Or How do you operate? Certain rules. I mean, you, you don't want to follow those rules, fine. I mean, it's, it's your call, so to say. Nobody is telling you that you will be beaten back into the rule. So, a set of rules are established which help you progress in, for want of a better term, a spiritual sort of construct. Now, you are born in a construct that is more aligned to say uh, manual work or, or regular work, living life freely, etc. I don't want to get up like a Brahmin at 3 o'clock in the morning, do rituals, do fasting, uh, live with rice that can't last for more than 3 days. I don't want to live that life. It's a hard life. I want to live a life of pleasure, but I still want to engage in the intellectual debate. They don't, the important thing to remember is that none of the scriptures are stopping you from an intellectual debate. What they are stopping you from is a pursuit of the Vedas, of the scriptures. Now the reason why I would say that is again we tend to think of the scriptures or the Vedas as philosophy or as the stories that are written in those poems. 
I would tend to say that the Vedas are actually more than that. The Vedas, the essence of the Vedas, remember that it was always taught as an oral tradition. The essence of the Vedas is in the sound that it creates. And it is in the construct of you. So therefore, you recite it in a certain manner. The voice needs to be a certain kind, etc. Now, you need to train from a certain age to be able to generate that voice, to be able to generate that. So if you generate it wrongly, it will have a bad outcome. Now, nothing to stop you from bad outcome. It's like saying, I am using electricity. How do I use electricity? There are some rules around electricity. You can turn around and say, I don't like the rules. Alright, go and poke your finger in a socket and get electrocuted. I mean, get a shock. Feel free. You're actually saying that misuse of the Vedas. So the reason people, non-Brahmins are pre prevented from reciting the Vedas or learning the Vedas was because it wrong recitation or wrong, wrong rajyas, wrong practice would wrong actually practice. lead to disruption of their lives and perhaps of people of it may not just be their lives it might be more than just lives i mean think in terms of if i use nuclear energy wrongly it's not only and the guys at the reactor sheldon Pollock is now reading the vedas what is what is he doing to it or max miller read them translated them propagated them what did they do with it and hindu society has a very basic concept of adhikari bhed so a very basic distinction which uh, the west actually uh, finds itself uh, it is abhorrent of this idea uh, they say that all knowledge should be for everyone and now look what uh, havoc it is wreaking that everyone has nuclear bombs, everyone has atom bombs, even Pakistan has or North Korea has. So in India there was al always the concept of Adhikari Bhed. Knowledge was not for every kind of knowledge was not for everyone. It was seen your candidacy was always considered that will you be able to uh, carry it? Aap dharan kar sakte hai ki nahi? Jab dharm, word ka meaning hai, aap dharan kar sakte hai ki nahi, tabhi aapko knowledge di jayegi, otherwise it would not be for what we also tend to forget very often. And this is not just about the Vedas. Tantra is even more stringent. Even more stringent. The knowledge uh, in they do not teach, they do not take disciples if you are not, uh, if you do not uh, take the vow of secrecy. Uh, most of these Tantra, it is said that even uh, John Woodruff who wrote most of that modern text in English on Tantra, he, it is said that he withheld the most explosive of them because uh, he was ultimately instructed that this much is okay but nah, you cannot uh, reveal these uh, things. The play of consciousness by Swami Muktanan, it describes what happens when one is initiated in Shakti path in that uh, uh, particular branch of uh, Guru Shishya Parampara and actually it won't make any sense to you. If, uh, if someone who is not initiated, if you start reading, it will uh, just uh, look like magic or just absolutely ridiculous things that are we happening. Were, we were last week talking about uh, Bagla Mukhi, Devi's. Yeah. Uh, all, all of this, uh, all, all of this symbolism. So it doesn't make Chinnamasta and all of these uh, goddesses and gods. They don't make any sense to you. So other, if you are not initiated into it, so this secrecy, this adhikari bhed is practiced in everything. And when the civilizations which transgress this, like the Western civilization now, you can see the results. That everyone has that kind of knowledge? So, the but, but to put it, so I won't sort of make it East versus West or modern world versus East world. West, I mean about Judeo-Christian civilization sanitized by the ideas of the Enlightenment. So, I'll describe it slightly differently. So, I will say that you are running a nuclear plant. I was a football player. I want to now run a nuclear plant. I mean, it's not... It's not free will because this is not causing damage only to you as an individual. If you have a nuclear meltdown, there is a disastrous effect for the planet. So, 
when we try and say that it will be bad for you, it's not, sometimes it's bad only for you. It's like poking your finger in a socket, but sometimes it's got a bigger ramification. So, so the, so the limitation is one, you have got to be fully on top of that knowledge and you have got to therefore understand that knowledge fully and that will automatically get you to control what you are meant to do. It is not a rule in the sense that it is not an imposition that you need to, but you know that the consequence of crossing that line is going to be severe and therefore you hold yourself back. The important thing about the Vedas is not every Brahmin was Brahmin boy was taught the Vedas. So they will they will do astrological chart, etc. Some people, some boys will be picked for some things. Other boys who can't cut it at that level will become teachers, will become, will look at some easier shastras. So you will have these distinctions between who can undergo the greater penance. It's like saying, I mean, I can't suddenly decide that I don't have the physical attributes, but I actually want to play the football league for Manchester United. It's not going to be possible. I mean, I need to be physically capable. I need to be genetically capable. There is to be a footballer. I need to be a certain kind of a person to be a footballer. You can't just make anybody a footballer. That is how you should look at some of these things. When they say that I will make so-and-so uh, a priest or I'll so-and-so will be a Kshatriya. It is how you look at the nature, the physical attribute, the mental, the, the, the psychological attributes that will go to operate in that manner. Now, when you talk about the Shudras, it's basically free. You're not, that level of scrutiny you're not put under. But somehow, if you do have that attribute, now what has happened is because your voice training is not there, so you've missed out because the Vedas are voice, are sound. That's why they will tell you that for the last five, six thousand years, the sound of the Vedas have not changed. It's because it is, it follows that pattern. There is a, there is a sound element to it. And you can look at a number of, videos on YouTube which will talk about? Just this morning, today during a Q&A session, actually said exactly this, that this whole thing of chanting say even something as simple as a Gayatri Mantra in a tune is ridiculous and should not be done. True. The Look at, there are lots of videos, the effect of sound on matter. You change the sound and matter will change. So it has that effect, it goes down to something that we have discussed in the in the past is dual nature of matter. Matter is both particle and wave and therefore what you can do with wave to change the nature of matter. So here you are talking about sciences that are operating in the quantum area uh, and therefore there is limitation around how you can do it. Now as a Shudra or as a common man, Shudra I would say is common man, it's not low man. Common man ha is entitled to use the iPhone the way he would want to. A common man says, I want to be the head of technology at Apple Corporation, you will get kicked out. So, 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 but nothing stops you from using it. I mean, it is meant for you. So, there are some other guys that are creating it meant for you. Enjoy your life, enjoy phones. Uh, use no, the you're power not of the Vedas to achieve something which is beneficial to you in your life, a better crop or something and all of right. that. So, you are going also in the place that the Vedas are not um, simply whatever or they are actually not texts of knowledge which anybody can pursue. It comes with sound rigor of practice and are actually able to derive some sort of power from nature. So, it is so not literary knowledge. It's not literary knowledge, it's not read knowledge like that. It's like electricity. 
I mean, just imagine you wrap and coil around a magnet and shake it and you basically get electricity on the other side. Now, this is your tapping into forces of nature. Now, how do you do that tapping into forces of nature? They are, the electricity is not the only force in nature. There are many forces in nature. It's a very different way of looking at Vedas itself, right? Yes. You know, the West would look at it or the modern society it says this is, it's a literary thing. Yeah. So, it is not literary. It is beyond, that's why for long periods of history, there was, this, there was a restriction, prohibition on actually writing down the Vedas. This is true for lots of old religions, including the Abrahamic, where they said that it must be oral. So, the Quran initially was actually oral. Uh, so, when you start... I, I, I would like to disagree with this. The, so, the, the reason is very different. So there, there it is primarily the fear. It is, it is the fear of saying the name of the Lord. It is, he is absolutely terrifying. He is out of this world. And because uh, the shop of the prophet would be shut if the devotees, if the faithful would have direct connection with God. And so every sort of fear is created about Yahweh, Yahweh, you cannot say Yahweh, only Jesus will connect you to Yahweh, only Muhammad will connect you to Allah. So this is like saying I come to you and I start saying there is a God called uh, Balla and uh, you have to follow his rules. And he asks, what is the proof that I am saying it is and what is the proof that you are his prophet because he says so, but you cannot meet him, you cannot see him. So they maintained all sorts of fear. So that cannot be equated. So, that cannot so, be so equated. I would say partly I agree with you, partly I and Rahul will know that I sort of disagree with you. That's why another discussion. But but just coming to just how so therefore Rahul who is from a Vaishya community or Anand who would my mother was Brahmin and my father was a non-Brahmin, so I basically would categorize as Chandala. Very important. To. We want to know then what is Chandala because especially so I, from a Shankaracharya context, he met a Chandala, then he fell on his feet when so, he decided so, so, so to Chandala, like, Are they outside the Varna system? No, like Pankaj was saying, it's, it is, you actually mix up the Gunas. They are not outside the Varna system, but uh, actually there are people who are outside the Varna system. I am uh, the Jati which, Jati which I come from, it is outside the Varna system. We are not uh, Brahmins, we are not Kshatriyas, we are not uh, um, Vaishyas and generally people because this must have happened in medieval times because earlier if it had, had happened earlier, then we would have been accommodated somewhere in the Shudras perhaps, uh, but they were not so this shows that this happened during the Middle Ages. But the beauty of this, what the point I am making about this is, even those who were excluded from the Varna system, even they found a society, uh, they found a place in Hindu society. So you cannot, Varna system is a big part of Hindu society. It is not exactly, not completely the Hindu society. Kaistas do not come in any Varnas and still they exist, still they played a very important role in society. So the Hindu uh, society creates rules and they also follow to stringently follow them. But those who are not able to follow them, they are somehow accommodated. Okay. The concept of the Utsav Murti in, uh, that I elaborated in the talk too, I guess I, I, I remember it like this. The concept of the Utsav Murti in a temple is that uh, for one day a year or one day every month or there are various traditions with various temples, the Utsav Murti comes out and they do, they do a Rathyatra procession of whole town or one place to another. There are various stories in which entire town takes place. So even those people who are not allowed inside the temple the rest of the year, somehow once or twice or ten times or twelve times a year, even they are accommodated within the system. There is no other system which at the same time exhorts you to uh, improve yourself, 
to become a better version of yourself and at the same time gives you an abhay that if you cannot become better even then you are incorporated within the system not having the rights that others have those who are uh, better versions but you will be incorporated within the society the same is true about the lgbt community uh, the debate uh, which is going on now, some uh, activists, uh, they contact me and they say that, uh, yes, we are very different from Islamic or Christian communities. It's an entire debate, but I'll just end with that. We are very different from those communities. We never persecuted them, but we also never made it, uh, you know, a dominant value system of society. So they were incorporated within the society. They were uh, allowed to have everything. They were allowed to live together. They were allowed to live freely, but the system of marriage, first of all, was not for them. There is no uh, provision of marriage for them and they were not, uh, uh, you know, the defining value system. Like these are gay pride parrots. Why should you be proud or be shameful about it? There was no shame attached to it. There was no pride attached to it. They, were, they just existed in the society. They were incorporated somewhere. But that was not the dominant value system. So at the same time, we go overboard while uh, some uh, claim that uh, we were cruel. Some uh, enthusiastic Hindus start claiming that no, we were very good. So we should be careful about so this. When I, so I just, just finished what I was saying is that my father comes from a community called the Thiyas. The Thiyas are outside the Vedic system. Um, and there are many communities that are outside the Vedic systems. Lots of those communities have temples of their own and have priests of their own who are not Brahmanical. So around India, you'll find lots of temples. In Gujarat, where I'm currently living, 90% of the temples do not have Brahmin priests. So, and this I did not even know. At first, when I went there and said that you have to perform Havan, he denied that I am the priest but not Brahmin. So 90% of the temples… Uh, the priest of the temple but will not do a Vedic… They will not do home and Havan and all of these. So now, it's not just not authorized because this, you're not authorized and you're fearful of somebody. It's because you know that you're now delving in matters that you will not be able to control. So you basically stay away from it. Uh, it is also because you're doing what you're doing and you're actually experiencing the outcome of what you're doing. So it's not blind belief that you're dealing with. So a lot of these priests in temples are actually encountering that. So they are able to handle a deity and the energies around a deity but not a certain yajna which is a yes. different type. Correct, correct, correct. So when we think in terms of, when we use Hindu society, my point is that there is Vedic and there is Vedic, there is an element of Vedic and there is fusion but there is not. They are non-Vedic traditions, they are non-Vedic Agama traditions, there is the Tantric tradition and in the Vedic system also there are Agamas and there are Tantras. So there is there is a mix that is I think we are getting very late but we will, this is a very interesting conversation of Vedas and non-Vedic uh, non people. We'll discuss communities, yes, this is where. But, but, but uh, coming back to the Varnas is that if you wanted to set up a school, you would not be stopped from setting up a school. You will set up a school to teach what you know. Now, you don't know the Veda, so you can't set up a Veda. Sulba Sutras, according to C.K. Rajuji, you, it, it is uh, knowledge of carpentry, which others are not supposed to have. It is only for the Shudras to make great, you know, do great carpentry, for example, or great structures. So, very nice. <laughs> we'll end here. Thank you very much.